South Dakota is not a place most people think of when they think of music. They usually turn their ears towards what we call music meccas. Nashville, Austin, New York, L.A., Seattle, etc. And rightly so in a lot of ways. The history that those cities have and the music legends that found their start there make those cities what they are today. If I was a betting man, I'd put money down on everyone talking about Wichita, Kansas, if that's where the likes of Willie Nelson, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, and so on all spent their time making music. That's how things work. Someone starts doing something, no matter how small, and then it builds and builds until enough people realize that they've got something special going on. That's how the music culture where I live has come to be. It started small, and in many ways still is, but day by day, month by month, it keeps getting larger. More people start to show up on the music scene, and those that have been around a while start to get noticed. That's what happened with Jamie Lynn. She started playing music young, then performing young as well. Her skills developed, her musical tastes developed, and her interest in the area she lives in and its history with music grew. She put out music of different styles, but it was her album Fall is a Good Time to Die that really started to gain some traction. It made the top 50 list of country albums of the year from The Telegraph, the culture trip listed her as the artist to know from South Dakota in their 50 artists from 50 states. And it's just a damn good album. From start to finish, you find yourself passing from season to season and finding yourself walking through the stages of life. All in a melodic presentation that captivates you to the very end. If you haven't listened to it yet, do yourself a favor and go listen to it right now. Then come back and join us in this episode. Through all of that, Jamie comes across as one not so much interested in fame and quote-unquote making it, but as someone who cares more about making sure that when her music is presented to the world, it's the absolute best. Whether it's her folk style or her latest release, Sparse, which heavily leans on her jazz influences, you can be sure that Jamie Lynn is presenting you with quality music made in South Dakota. Welcome to the Heath Bar, where the conversations are always on tap. Like I'm, oh well, I'm drinking by myself I'm on just, your couch. I'm just gonna oh, sit here and watch okay. you drink a beer. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought that was part of the shtick, but it's like I came in a costume. We uh, we're going <laughs> to not a costume party anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to Hawaii for our honeymoon, so mm. drinking some some Kona, getting the getting um, the Hawaii where, beer. Where are you going? We're going to Oahu and Kauai. Kauai, oh, yes. Is that awesome? In okay. Oh, I'm sure they're all great. Yeah, Kauai is that's the only place that I okay. Oh, have maybe been oh, wait. there, and it was it was wonderful. It's like the probably like the least developed of the islands. Okay. I guess there's like there's one beach that's kind of like there's like a Sheraton and all that stuff. Sure, but the rest of it is like you can backpack it, and um, there are people that live on the beach full time. Um, just like the live place, there. yeah. Just like hanging because out. it's uh, yeah, because you can, because there's 
food and there's chickens and there's there's probably no reason to have any like developed home or anything like that well you can like... on the beach I guess but um yeah I before I went there I had a couch surfer from um Moldova it's like mm-hmm. a tiny little country right by Romania that ended up staying with me in Rapid City for like a week um and uh he after he left the the main states he went to Hawaii and then he just stopped traveling he he has lived there ever since oh my gosh riding on the beach <laughs> jeez <laughs> so I didn't I, I get in... it after being there I was like I understand like, why okay. you stopped running around and, and I'm good you settled in Kauai yeah. I, I was not a traveler uh until I met Whitney um the Midwest Nebraska Iowa Kansas the furthest I ever went like was like Oklahoma and uh uh then when I met her like Within like first couple of years, she's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm I'm going to Ireland, and you're welcome to come if you want to come with me." <laughs> I was like, awesome. "Okay, I'll do it." So we went to Ireland last year, and cool. now I'm hooked. It's like I want to go somewhere all the yeah. time, all the time. I hadn't been. I'm embarrassed to say I also hadn't been outside of the states until last summer. Really? Yeah. We so we're we're both the same. We, we yep. And we, after that, like I think about my next trip. Often. Where'd you go? France. Mm. It was really cool. My daughter wants to do that. It she was wants to go to very France. cool. Yeah. We. Yeah, loved it. <sighs> There's like this list that I've yep. got now. You're just building the list. I want to go see all these just places. Gotta get, and... You got to get like uh, Matt, Matt Millinson has, you know, like his flight alerts. Oh, it's unreal. Yeah. How many places that like, guy oh, goes. He went to, he went to Prague last year. Mm-hmm. Round trip for like $600. Yep. Yeah. Everything like ridiculous. taken care of. Yep. How do you find that? Yeah, he's just got his little alerts set up and and then he has the freedom to just go if it. He has a See, that's what it is. It's, it's the freedom to go. <laughs> I don't have that. I've, I've got, I've got kids and and a, a job and, and cats and <laughs> and the dog. He's he's out back right now. Oh, otherwise he'd be. He's all we would hear on the microphones is, <laughs> is, is him sniffing his and dancing. his tail wagging <laughs> and his and his nails. But but anyway, um, well, thank you for coming. Because I was when I when I like I told you I wanted to start doing this, uh, you were one of the first people on my list, and like it'd be cool if Jamie came because because oh, cool. there's a I I've followed you for quite a while and just what you've been doing and, and your music since I heard about you and um, so I was like yeah she'd be perfect it'd be fun to have you in come chat and everything so so yeah cheers well, cool. oh, and yeah. welcome to the Heath Bar yes <laughs> delicious gluten free beer. Gluten free. Mm-hmm. See, I'm drinking a blonde ale, so I'm doing. I'm going light today, but that's okay. It is only a Thursday. It it is. It is. Um. So I wanted to ask you first: Was uh, your so from the last album you put out to the to the the most recent one like a whole different? You just kind of went not 180 really, but just a whole different thing. Yeah. You had. Um, Fall is a good time to die, which is brilliant, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that later. But then you put out this jazz, right? Yeah. And that was with you and, um, sorry, what was his name? Uh, Andrew Reinerts. Andrew Reinerts. Yeah. Um, what made you want to do want to do that? Like go go a different route with that. So I have always wanted to um, record jazz. Like I've always been, you know, I've been 
doing the folk thing full time and um it's like something had to slide into the hobby slot <laughs> okay and i think what happened was that jazz did that first because it was something that i still did for like purely for enjoyment because um you know unlike uh the folk music that i play that's really rehearsed and you know whoever i'm playing with we work up an arrangement and we polish it and um it uh you know, it, it's after a while for me, and this isn't true of all the folk music I play, but it's definitely true of a lot of it. It starts to, you know, you get sick of it, or you get used to it, or it gets tired, or whatever, and that never happens with jazz, because hmm. it is different every single time you play it. It has a different um, rhythm to it. Uh, you're you're singing different parts every time. Um, and the other thing that I really love about jazz is that uh, as much as I enjoy playing the banjo... I've, the only reason I play instruments is because I love to sing. And oh, okay. so, so jazz, like I just get to, I just get to focus on that. And I feel like I can do a lot more when I don't have two things happening at once. Just cause you can focus in a little bit better. Yeah. Or, okay. I can, I can focus in, I can stand up straight. I can, you know, to be cheesy and talk about form, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, and I, I can devote all of my brain power to my next you know scatting line or whatever sure. now do you um do you, so you did you grow up listening to jazz or was there like a moment where like you you discovered jazz and were just like hooked right away or... do you remember um like music central that came with the first pcs like you'd get your oh uh... yeah oh my <laughs> gosh wow <laughs> So, I've actually oh, been thinking about wow. ski free lately, <laughs> like watching the Olympics. It's really brought cow. me back to my first computer. How is um, that? How are the, how are those not apps on our phones right oh, now? Oh, I know. know I'm I mean? sure they are. I'm sure everything that was on Music Central is on YouTube right now, and people are oh, reminiscing my about gosh, it. But I forgot about um, that. You know, when you got your first Microsoft computer, it yeah. came with this sleeve of of programs, you know, these, um, CD-ROMs that you insert in. And one of them was about, um, I can't remember what that one was called, but it was like cinema. So it was little clips from all the famous movies that you should know, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Music Central was the same way. It was like an overview of like, this is what you should know about music. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, And, uh, there was feeling really old right now. Peggy, Peggy Lee with Benny Goodman. Okay. Uh, with the Benny Goodman band. Yeah. Um, and lots of other great stuff on there too. And Strange Fruit, like Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit mm-hmm. was on there also. Um, and that was probably my first exposure to jazz because that wasn't really something that um, was ever on in our house. But uh, th- that's my first thing that I remember. But um, when my older sister... Um, went to college she got into Billie Holiday and she got the Decca recordings of Billie Holiday which is um I I don't know they're still my favorite it's probably their it's probably my favorite Billie Holiday collection because it's the first one I had of course of course it's the best yeah um but uh that when when she got those for Christmas and then she burned them for me like that was that was where it was like yeah I love this like okay and then I, that's when I started, I guess, working on learning some of those songs when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> so you, so you, you love jazz and kind of did that, um, but most of what you've done has been, I think people would say, is definitely the folk, 
uh, bluegrass style of music. Um, so were you excited to be able to kind of put that down for a bit? Yeah. And like see and hope something happens with this? Like, you, you know, um, something that I've been talking about a little bit lately, mm-hmm. or I guess with just this last week, because I was on a panel with some other musicians, um, was burnout. Ah. You know, and I'm sure as a musician, everybody comes upon that in different ways and it affects them in different ways. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, it it was really, um, it was cr- crummy timing, I think, because um, my, my last folk album, you know, things, they, they went well compared to how yeah. uh, releasing albums had in the, had gone in the past. And I just didn't feel like traveling... I didn't feel like promoting it. And eventually I just kind of got tired of what I was doing and, you know, doing the the bar gig thing. And, yeah. and um, yeah, I just kind of felt burned out on, uh, on both booking and touring. And so uh, jazz was, I mean, working on something completely different, sitting it down last winter and really digging into um, – jazz uh like music theory which i'd never that's <laughs> boy i had not I even, even touched start i hadn't touched that you know i still don't really know where to start but uh i've memorized some more shapes of course there you go there you go. um but i started you know really working on jazz guitar last winter um and that kind of like i don't know it kind of rejuvenated my hmm. love for music which was really really nice sure um, and it really was a nice break to sit down to stop what i was doing for a while and and do something else i feel really fortunate that i you know had the opportunity to yeah. do that because you know most of us in our normal jobs like when you get sick of it you don't have an option to just stop doing well, it for a little while do. yeah <laughs> yeah so that was cool <laughs> that's that's exciting um because when i when i think like when you talked about burnout um I think I probably get that more times than I care to admit in a year. Yeah. But a lot of it, sure. I think, is the, is the late night bar gigs. You know, when you're playing till midnight, one o'clock every weekend, um, you know, Friday and Saturday every weekend, like you mm-hmm. just kind of, oh, you f- I find myself like losing time or throughout the week, like not taking time to learn new stuff. Because right. I'm just tired. You're just in survival you know? mode. Yeah, you're just kind of yeah. well. I got to get through three hours. Well, I can definitely get through three hours on the stuff I've been playing. You know, but to come up with something new, uh, that doesn't really ever happen to me unless I get like a different, a different kind of of gig. Like when we did the yeah. Black Hills Opry, like that totally. kind of just went. Oh my gosh, there's so uh-huh. much more I could do. Rather than just playing in bars every weekend, right? Or, which oh, is I've really fun. wanted to learn this song. Or, yeah. Oh, I'd wanted to work with this musician. And yeah, not absolutely. Have an opportunity and to, just just yeah. find that uh, find that thing to you know, I'd love to just sit down and write a song with with my buddy Cody, who's you know six hours away. But every weekend we're gigging. It would be cool if we like took a weekend off and just got together and hung out and wrote, you know. But we never do. Right. You know, but it was that kind of thing. Those kind of ideas that popped into my head was, man, that would be really neat to do. Or to do just a soft, um, like soft acoustic version of some of some of the songs that I play all the time at bars. I go, what would it look like if they were all stripped down a bit and you just kind of playing them a little bit more melodically and seeing what happens with there? But um, yeah, I don't get that. I haven't gotten the chance yet. Maybe it's my own fault. I probably could just start doing it, but I don't know. 
It seems um, like I only do it when I'm forced to. Yeah. Like you say, like you get a you get a listening room gig or yeah, you know something that makes it. Oh, maybe I should finish some new songs, man. Yeah, there's a the you know when there's like a songwriter's round coming up where it's got to be all original stuff. And I look down and I'm like, I haven't written a new song in a long time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe I should see if I can still. And and then sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Uh-huh. And you realize, you know, like the crowd's going to be new anyway, so they're yeah, not going to know. Exactly. So you, you find all these reasons not to do something different. Yeah. But, uh, but you still do it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, so when you got into doing uh, bluegrass and, you know, folk Americana and everything like that, was that, was that also just a big passion uh, style of music for you? Or was that just kind of, like, this is where I'm located so this this music is easy to reproduce and promote up here. Yeah, um, I think when I got into it, it wasn't popular. Okay, which you know, like I was there before it was cool. You know, Jamie, that, but I was the I was twelve. <laughs> I was a hipster twelve year old. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I uh, so uh, oh brother, where art thou? Another big yeah. like cultural thing that yeah. hit us, especially musically. Like so many people that are like, a lot. oh yeah, I love that music. They just don't. Like I didn't know that it was bluegrass or old timey music or whatever. I just knew I loved it, and so um, that came out when I was in sixth grade. Okay. Um, and it was right about that time that I started going um, with my grandparents to um, like old time fiddlers gatherings, and um, there was a country music jamboree in Peaver, South Dakota. I'm not um, even sure I, I know where that is. Started singing in front of people. Um, and the nice thing about old time country music jamborees are that the the audience is very forgiving. You know, they're just really glad that you're there and you're under seventy. Um, <laughs> and uh, this music's gonna it last. Was, it was well, yeah. I'm sure that's a big part of it. Like yeah. finding you know other people finding what they love relevant, like sure. totally. Um, but yeah, so I started learning songs from Oh Brother Where Art Thou to sing. You know, which were pop popular at that right. time. Um, to sing there and I thought they were going to know every song but even that was even like before most of their time actually okay <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it, it worked it worked yeah everybody knows you are my sunshine so everyone knows good, that. my that grandma sang me that that's so if you call her up today she'll still tell you that's our song and no one else's because when I was six months old you know, she would oh, sing cool. that to me and that was all she'd ever sang to me and Tons so yeah, of people have a really special story behind yeah. that. that yeah, so that. everybody's everybody knows it, uh-huh. and I don't think there's a person that doesn't love it. And then it gets redone. Um, I don't know if if you um, heard uh, Chris Chris and Morgan Stapleton's version of it. No, you will lose your mind. So she's she's How the lead on it. So he's doing like that? he's doing harmonies for her. Cool. It's on um, the um, Southern Family like compilation album. That Dave Cobb put out, so it's got like a bunch of different artists on it, but they do that song, and it's unreal. Cool. Like you go home tonight and listen to it because you'll you'll lose your mind. That but, sounds really cool. Yeah. So anyway, and anyway, what you were saying, but yeah. Oh, um, yes. So let's see, country music jamborees. Oh yeah. So, um, so the first songs that I sung in front of people were you know that style of music, and then when I was in high school, that wasn't cool anymore. You know, so I did like had the punk rock band you had in a fact, punk rock band oh yeah in fact so there were four of us in the band like very stripped down punk rock band all four of us 
um, work in music professionally, which just blows my mind. Like, because we had one song, we had one original song uh-huh. um, called "Get Out of Here, Get On with Your Life," um, and uh, typical punk fashion. Yep, That's yep. amazing. And uh, so, my best friend Kyra, who taught me how to play guitar, mm-hmm. and she was. I really like she's a year older than me. I I really looked up to her because she, you know, I just didn't know any other guitar players who were my age. So. Sure. Um, so she um, was a theater major and um, but went on to work for the Santa Fe Opera and the L.A. Opera. Oh my and now gosh. She, um, I think she just started a new position with the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. Jeez. Um, but she works in music professionally, and then uh, our drummer and bass player are in a hardcore, uh, screamo, punk rock band out of Fargo called These Hearts. Oh my God. Have you heard of These Hearts? Um, (laughs) You know, it's been a while since I've followed hardcore punk rock on any level. Um, But uh, Yeah, that was one half of Stale Standard, These Hearts. That was my high school punk rock band. Stale Standard. Can you find (laughs) that music anywhere still? Is it... Um, like if I searched YouTube, no. For so this okay. was, it was, I think it was on. Uh, yeah, it never made it to the interweb. <laughs> oh man! It, it did. Um, we did get accepted to a side stage at um, the Omaha branch of Warp Tour. Sure. With our one song, but um, thank goodness that branch ended up getting canceled, so it never happened. You which never was got good to play the Warp Tour. We never had. We didn't have any more songs. What would we have played? <laughs> Oh, couldn't you have just changed the key and no one would have noticed? I don't know. I mean... Uh, reverse the chord progression, I guess. Yeah. Just change it up. Yep. So um, that didn't happen. That's Dreams how I started. Crushed. was punk. I was in high school and I played the bass in a punk band, which is the easiest gig you can ever <laughs> find. There's nothing easier than that. We had We had the bass, the guitar, and the drums. And that was it. Um... We were trying to model ourselves off of MXPX at the time because that's all they do, you know. Right, right, right. And uh, we thought they were the coolest, coolest band on the face of the planet. Um, but yeah, we never got out of my mom's basement. So <laughs> that was that was as far as we went. <laughs> that's funny. Were you the singer? Yeah. So so there's somewhere there's an audio of you singing in a punk band. Right. Yeah, <sighs> there is, and I think the audio actually so. Um, in one of your previous podcasts, you were talking about your first experience hearing yourself recorded, yeah, playing bass. So um, my first experience was, well, of course, like before that, as soon as I could record something on my Microsoft, whatever PC computer, I'm Bring sure it, it had back. it had some like recording program where you could record like 60 seconds of audio right. or something. Right. So I suppose that was my first experience. But this first song, I think, was recorded. On a video camera, and then we took the audio out of the video oh my camera, gosh. and that's what we sent to Warp Tour. That is so great, and, and it got you in. Us. Of course, it was the oh. lo-fi sound that probably attracted them. To oh us. my goodness! Well, this was this should have been what year? Early two thousands. Um, yeah, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, and back then, I'm, I'm recording. That was probably more than good enough. For sending anything in, maybe back so. Because yeah. you know now it's like if if you take anything, a demo basically has to be a fully produced thing. You know, that's but true. Yeah. Back then it didn't really matter because you didn't have access to all that stuff. Yep. Unless you went into a studio, but 
Now you can things you can do with your iPhone. Yeah, just, you can do it all yourself. Crazy. You can do a crummy job too. Man, and, it's fine. and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna have to do some searching. See if I can find it. I don't think you will. I don't think it's uh, out there. It's on a it's on a computer of yours somewhere, right? Uh, I don't know. None of your that. bandmates kept anything from it. I I guess I don't know. I'd have to. I would have to ask them. I'm calling these hearts. <laughs> I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Say hey, I got a mission for you. They don't want it out either. So <laughs> we're on the same team. Oh man, that's funny. Um, yeah. So okay. Back on track a little bit. Although I would love to just talk, talk punk rock with you all night long. That would be pretty great. Um, so you did. You were in the punk rock. You kind of got into all of that. Um, when you uh, put out uh, Sodbusters, uh, I was reading a little bit that that kind of came out of um, the uh, your senior thesis, right? Yep. That's so you right. were just doing a paper, and in the process right. of studying, you thought. I should put some of this to music yeah. or I should... Yeah, so I did it as part of my thesis, undergraduate thesis, I okay. should say. Sometimes I just let people think it's, oh, a master's it. thesis. Yeah. But no, we'll I don't, edit this I don't part have out and... one of those. <laughs> um, but no, it was a honors program thesis, um, which a lot of times is, I guess in some disciplines, it is like not just a paper. It's like, well, it's a project where I create something. Like, okay. I think my sister's was like, she planted a, she like, returned a plot of land to native grasses like that was her and there's a paper oh, also but, sure yeah, yeah um yeah there's a lot of, there's usually other elements to them okay um and so music was built in that was going to be i was going to record some songs that okay. i that i found um and it wasn't like i um wasn't overly ambitious i wasn't gonna you know make this like a big deal or anything just like a lot of other students i was just gonna try to slap together other people's research which mm-hmm. usually makes up a paper and, yeah. and do it and then um i found that i couldn't because <laughs> nobody <laughs> had put together stuff from this part of the country really which is ludicrous like there was one other original source um his name's dave kemp he's a stor- historian in sioux falls okay um and some research that he had done um was all that I could find that was original and specifically about South Dakota. Um, so it ended up being like the original research project where you're like, I'm going to go to museums and archives and dig through people's personal collections that are in their attics because their great aunt Thelma was an accordion player mm-hmm. and she compiled uh, music from the area. Um, so during the 1930s, uh, the... WPA sent out field recorders to all different parts of the country to collect folk songs. Like, um, and when they sent somebody to South Dakota, they stopped in Mitchell, recorded like 12 minutes of a traveling musician that wasn't from South Dakota and called it good. So I waited. Yeah. I waited for that (laughs) recording for about four months and it came and it was like, Oh my gosh. Um, but that's kind of what it was like. It was like pulling teeth. Um, and then I'd come across writings um, from the surrounding states that said, well, people were just too busy working to play music, which was. What's funny you say a, that. It was such a load. Like, that's not true at I, all. That's not true at all? No. See, that was where my head first went was. No. I wonder if just 
there was, you know, back in that time frame, people just... They were just too busy trying to survive. And right. They just weren't, weren't doing music. it. Or, you know, I think no. of like ranchers and farmers. Like, right. that's a lot of work. Like, maybe they just, eh. So, were they playing professionally? Probably not. Right. Were they getting together for concerts? Probably not very often, if ever. Maybe yeah. at their churches. But they were playing music in their homes, just like everyone else was, because they didn't have TV. Most of them couldn't afford radios. Some areas of the state, that wasn't even available yet. Yeah. And they were playing it at home. You know, Pa had a fiddle, you know, just like he did (laughs) in Little House on the Prairie. That was, that's authentic. Like, that happened. Um, I love this story. Um, There's a couple that, that comes to see me sometimes in the Black Hills who are originally from near Lemon, where where my family also tried to homestead and then it didn't work out and they headed back east to where my family is still from. But um, the story in their family is that, um, you know, of the the couple that was homesteading up there, um, you know, the the husband headed to Belfouche to get supplies for the winter. Um, So, you know, all of their money, everything that they'd saved up to, like, help them survive through the winter, he goes to Belfouche. Mm -hmm. And he comes back, not with all the supplies they need, but with a piano. Because he said, you know, food's going to get us through the winter, but really, we need something to do if we're going to survive the winter. Like, we need, you know, we need music. And so he he brought back a piano. Um, And I, I bet he's not the only one. You know, people sacrifice things to have music in their lives because yeah. that was where they got their enjoyment. That's where they, that's how wow. they made it through the crappy winter. I mean, think of that. And no one, no one was, re- no one was recording any silence. of this. Yeah. Right. And, and people. That's funny. And the argument that people were so busy, you know, working so hard, you know, surviving and stuff. It's probably true that, yes, that was happening. They were working really hard. So they weren't like sitting down to record for posterity what they were playing at the end of the day, right. but they were definitely singing together and playing music together. And that was happening. Um, and during during that time, a lot of it was probably still, um, you know, songs that they brought that their families mm-hmm. brought with them from the home country, you know, okay. in, in different parts of of the state. Yeah, like maybe there were German folk songs or. Irish folk songs or Scandinavian folk songs, um, but they, you know, when they got to America, they learned all the songs that everybody else was singing sure. too. Music got around then too, not necessarily over the airwaves yet in this part of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, until a little bit later, like the nineteen twenties. Um, what something that I've learned recently that blows my mind, and it's really sad because I didn't realize it while I was doing this research project, is that. Western South Dakota was basically still brand new frontier up until 1920. 1920? Like, when you think of like what was happening in the rest of the country, people were driving cars around and yeah. making it big on the stock market and you know, yeah. they had electricity and plumbing. People that were here in Western South Dakota, Eastern South Dakota had been opening, you know, they opened it for settlement in the 1880s and okay. people started to move in and start towns and um, but Western South Dakota was still Sioux land until um, later, you know, and once they, you know, had been moved around and pushed off of Western South Dakota also, when people moved in, it was like 1910, 1915. What the heck? And they were basically living like what you think of homesteaders yeah. like in, in dirt houses and, and building these tiny little shacks and... 
you know, tilling the land for the first time, maybe the only time, because they realized it sucked and it wasn't, yeah, <laughs> wasn't you know. a really good place to farm. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it sucked for that. It doesn't suck. Right. <laughs> I wonder if, uh, I wonder if that, uh, cause that would have only been like a decade or so before the Great Depression. Right. I wonder if so this area were, was affected. At- they'd barely been established. Yeah. And they, they struggled because they were trying to grow crops on land that was best suited yeah. to ruminant, you know, like animals. Wow. That's unreal. I had not, I had I not realized that. Real, I, that just set in this last year. And when I was doing this research project, I just couldn't find anything from the late 1800s because I, uh, my research parameters were like, I kind of cut them off at 1900 when I started it. And I was like, I just couldn't find anything in Western South Dakota. Yeah. Well, it hadn't been opened for settlement until, you know, about that time and people didn't move in. No so, writings, no just Right, like, of course no there was nothing. There. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that no one's keeping journals, it's that there's nobody right. there. Right. Well, I mean there yeah, there were people here. Sure. <laughs> but, but, but um that's crazy. you know, the the music of the, the settlers, which was what my primary mm-hmm. focus was, um, wasn't being played yet because people hadn't settled. <laughs> so I almost wonder how many songs back then just went unheard and are gone forever. I'm sure. You no, know, I always yeah. wonder that because you think before before recording, before radio, everything like that, songs were, were passed on through that, you know, families and traditions and what right. we sang and everything like that. person to person. But then when, when radio hit, like you look at some of the the biggest, you know, country artists from back then, you know, the Hank Williams, even before Hank, you know. Um, George B. German. Yes. South Dakota's singing cowboy. Wait, what? Who? Wait, who? George B. German. He had a radio show out of Yankton, WNAX radio. Okay. Um, and WNAX still transmits today. It's an AM station. And because the waves are so much stronger, uh-huh. you can hear it in Canada all the way down to Texas back then. There, because there weren't other radio stations sure. on that same frequency and so it was like super famous oh my god really famous jeez and traveling south dakota musicians and and musicians from all over the country that were cowboy singers like that was western style was his deal he'd have in on his his program and then he also would play in his unbelievable but then you you get so you get people like that who they became known because of that technology like you know had that not have been there you know, all of those songs would have just been what they always were, just kind of, you know, in little pockets and communities. Right. And some of them would make it further, you know, if people mm-hmm. traveled a bit or did something like that. But I always wondered, like, what what would it be like, you know, because right now, like, doing doing music now, there is a giant pool of artists and musicians that you are in there with. And not that there weren't back then, mm-hmm. but the the awareness of, people was a lot smaller. Right. And you have the internet now. You know, you want to search South Dakota musicians, there's a giant list of mm-hmm. people that show up, you know, or, you know, think of think of Nashville, think of Austin and stuff like that. You know, it's it's huge. And it's like how do you even begin to sort through all of that versus back then where it's like, uh, well we've got twenty four hours in a day, we have a radio show, here's how many songs and right. artists we can fit into that time frame. So right. this is who you know and this is who you hear about, yep. you know? Um, yeah, so did you, did you ever end up finding any, like, music? Yeah. From South Dakota yes. from back then? Yes, not I Not did. traveling people 12 it minutes was, of a so it passerby? Was, <laughs> it was, um, I kind of had to piece things together from the surrounding states. 
from the um, other states. Which, which were, and those were the things that fell within my parameters because my search parameters were, I would definitely do it differently if I did it again. Like, I, okay. you know, I told you one of the reasons. Like, right. of course there was no music in, right. in Western South Dakota before 1900. Um, but uh, I, uh, I did find some things that I could relate like directly to South Dakota and some of those songs were um, songs that had been like identified as tunes that, that came through Deadwood mm-hmm. um, and then uh, like during the gold rush sure because some, some of that was documented like there was a, a newspaper you know very soon in, after the gold rush happened yeah. and that big boom happened um, so that newspaper definitely holds some of the, the music that um, people would have been singing because they, they'd print it the whole song, uh, right? yeah, just the you know, like Jeez. the lyrics of the song and cool. to the tune of blah blah blah, um, and uh, so I guess like you can't really tell original songs, you know, were in there, but but songs yeah. that people were singing in the sure. area, um, the hits, right? <laughs> um, and then like the rest of the music, uh, some of the the cowboy songs, we have to just kind of assume that they passed through, like they weren't documented. For this, you know, the sake of writing this paper and citing my sources and stuff, I could only say these are the songs that probably came through because these cowboys, we know they came through, mm-hmm. they came from Texas all the way up to Montana, and um, a lot of them came through Belfouche because for a while that was as far west as the railroad went. Like that was the end of the line oh, sure. for a number of years, yeah. and it was a huge cattle town, yeah. like the biggest cattle town in the country for, yeah. for a while. Um, so they, if you wanted to sell your cows, you'd drive them to Belfouche and put them on the train to sure. send east to where most of the population was. Um, so a lot of the, the songs that were written and sung on the open range, wherever that is, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they were keeping track of which you know, state they were. North to the were. left yeah, and everything. Exactly. <laughs> um, we can say they probably came through, but that's as good as I could get. As far as originating, we're just we just don't know. Right. Now, were you... Did so, you, like... So, there, there are references to, like, um, Dakota and, um, you know, the Black Hills. There's references. So, the artist might have been coming through and written a right. song about the area. Okay. Right. I got right. you. The artists being dudes who were working the range. <laughs> yeah. Right. In between... Yeah. In between the cattle, they'd take a break by the fire and get their guitar out or whatever. Yeah. And... Well, I imagine them, like... I don't know if you write most of your songs when you're, like, sitting on the couch thinking about writing a song. Or if they, do they come to you when you're driving or when you're doing something else with your hands or doing the dishes or whatever? So mine, I've been trying to think about that because I get asked that question a lot and Mm -hmm. I ask people that question a lot and I don't know if I have a rhyme or reason to when a song comes, comes up. It just comes. Like usually it's when I'm thinking about things in my life that are about four or five years in the past from where I am now. (laughs) Like, it's almost like it takes me that long to process to through everything it and then it'll come through or I'll hear like a, I hear a phrase or I'll, I'll think of something super quick. Like I'll wake up from a dream and there's this thought from the dream and I try to write it down before I forget about it or something like that. Um, but it's, it's never when I sit down, okay, I'm going to go and write a song. Yeah. Like then I can't come I can't up with anything. either. You know. So I like to imagine I'm the same way. Like I don't, I can't sit down and schedule an hour to yeah. write that yeah. crap comes out. You know, like well, it, it becomes I, I mean, like systematic, like a like a machine right. thing. You know, and totally. which is which is what happens a lot in Nashville, and that's how kind of how they do it. You know, we have three hours mm-hmm. to sit down, and whatever yeah. comes out comes out. And, and some just, people uh, can do that. I'm sure it comes with practice, but yeah, 
Not me. Not me either. Uh, no. And I don't think these guys were like that either. I don't think they, you know, maybe if they were working on a song together or working on a rhyme together, maybe it was at the end of the day, but I kind yeah. of imagine them doing it while they're riding around. They've got a tune in their head or... And just singing words to what they're seeing. I and decide sure. when they wrote their song. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just riding on the horse and yep. they're singing about whatever's in front of them and exactly. whatever pops in their head and... Hope they remember it because they're probably not writing it down. Yeah, because they wanna they wanna one up the guys around the campfire at the night. And do you ever find like back then like a lot of the the tunes there's there's a insane similarity to all of them. Oh, like totally. there it's almost like there's there's five or six tunes, and then the words <laughs> just kind of rotate. I don't know, maybe it's just think, me, but so I think that's true within different genres of American folk right. music. Yeah. Like um cowboy music, when you think of like um folk songs for children. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the like well, uh, the one that comes to mind is um Yippitayo get along little dogs. Yeah. Um and I think I think of it as children's music because their songs appeal to children and so they're who we've taught them to. Um but I think um, within each different style or even like geographical region of American folk music, there are different, um, there were different influences. So I think, oh, I think okay. lots of cowboy songs, you know, they kind of have a similar feeling. Yeah. Maybe it has something to do with the, the group of people that were out there and the time too, because sure. uh, that's kind of like the, it's one of the later pools of, of what I consider like American folk music. Yeah. If you look at um, like lumberjack ballads um, that were, you know, composed and sung in Minnesota, North Dakota, Michigan, Wisconsin, they, um, a lot of them, same thing. They have a lot of similarities, but they have a really heavy Irish influence. Sure. And so they have like this mournful um, undertone to them, like the ballads and, um, and I think that's probably why, like, they were very um, Scottish and Irish influenced because a lot of the people that came to yeah. work in those forests came straight, straight off the boat yeah. to the forest because during the potato yeah, famine, forestry was a big deal. So right. that was where you could come and get a job. And I think um, if you look at the folk songs that were sung in Appalachian region, they have a lot of similarities too. And it, if you, like, distill it down, like, through a music theory perspective... yeah. Um, it, it all makes sense, except they're kind of an anomaly. Like they kind of came up with their own thing over there, but but in in some ways they're influenced by the I'm talking about the, ethnic groups of people that settled there too. Okay. Yeah, um, you almost wonder if like some of the melodies and stuff that comes out of those different pockets. I mean, how much of that is just influenced by the the style of living, the the work that they do. And, and, you know, I could think if you're, like, if you're, you, you listen to songs today, if you're a 17-year-old pop singer, all your songs are happy because you're 17 and, you know, you, nothing, <laughs> nothing's really happened or to you Or they're really depressing. Or, you know, you, you get know, the exact the opposite. That that's there's true. The I mean, the punk rock side and everything, yeah. You're um, either really in love with your sweetheart or you're really depressed. Right. Because everything is, everything is the worst. <laughs> Everything's against you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you, you listen to that, I mean, a lot of the the country songs and the, the the country man songs and cowboy songs 
there's a lot of like lonesome tones in it. But if you're out on a prairie with, uh, with, with yourself, no ladies. a couple other people, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're sitting out there like, well, yeah. I'm really lonesome. <laughs> Uh, yep. ver- you know, and then you yeah, get that very solitary lifestyle. Yeah, the the you know the forest and that. There's a lot of like just <sighs> gone working all day and hard labor yeah, and cutting trees and. There's um, if you look at the the ballads, the the lumbering ballads are a really great example of that because it was definitely a different style of of living than like the cowboys are solitary. Mm-hmm. A lot of times during the day, they're working by themselves. Yeah. At the night, maybe they come back to a. If they're part of a big company, they come back to a, a bunk or right. an area where there's other guys to hang out with and mm-hmm. shoot the shit, or you know, around the fire. Right. But um, the the lumbering camps were camps, like you were crammed in there with Oof. hundreds of other guys and in, in really tiny, low ceiling shacks. It was the winter, so yeah. that was crummy. There weren't very many daylight hours, and every one of those hours, including some of the darkened hours, you were working your tail yeah. off because you were only out there for four months during the year. You know, you only had that job guaranteed go, go, for four go. months, and then you had to figure out something else. A lot of people worked in both uh, fields. Now that clearly, I mean, that clearly affects the lyrics that are going to be in the songs. I'm wondering how it affects, like, how much it affected the notes that were put into the songs and maybe maybe no one's looked into that but i wonder like if that's why you're getting a lot of minor notes in some of those songs versus other songs you know and that if that's where or why it's drawn out longer mm-hmm. um because he's on a horse in the middle of nowhere and he can just sing until he gets the note he wants <laughs> and he's ah, i'm just gonna keep that you know uh, i don't know but that that would be cool to to look at and thing i've yeah i've never thought of that before on um because I've always heard the similarities, but I've never really looked into, like, regional and stuff like that, how that would... And that would totally change. Of course it's, of course it's different. Uh, that's interesting. So you did all of that. You, you, you were looking at all of that in your, in your paper. Came up with Sodbusters. And that was pretty successful. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I feel... Um, you know, I think it found a, a niche, as I found when I was doing this research, that... There wasn't really anything like that mm-hmm. um, out there. Um, and I want to say Sodbusters was a couple years after um, Hank Harris did the Deadwood Songbook. Okay. Um, through, uh, with help from the, the, the Adams House and Museum, or what's, I think it's Deadwood History Inc. now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, they have a big research component um, that, that's part of their mission, and they, they helped fund that, that project. And, and besides besides that collection of songs if there wasn't um something that was you know definitively like i don't know a, a collection of songs that were both from this place and then about this place too so wow. it was it um it it surprised me it was it was pretty cool it how it it caught on and it allowed me to quit my job yeah and, and I still play those songs, and I still talk about this paper <laughs> that I wrote. Like, Sorry, a really long time ago. <laughs> no, it's great, but the it's it's something that I really I'm still passionate about. Yeah. apparently. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny how you you set out to do that, and then you just you put this album together for this paper. Um, it wasn't it wasn't for this paper. Oh, okay. I have to. Yeah, no, it okay. was it was a separate. Separate projects. So part of the songs on Sodbusters I came across while I was writing this paper. Oh, gotcha. Um, and okay. some of them were songs that fit my research parameters, and mm-hmm. some of them were just songs that I ran across, and they were so cool that I had to work you put them, them on and there. Record them. Yep. That's really neat. Yeah. 
Um, you you mentioned uh, the historian out of Sioux Falls. What was his name? Dave Kemp. Dave Kemp. Did he have an explanation for for why? Um, other than everyone was working, did he have any details or any any more thoughts into that? Um, he probably he probably has opinions on that. I can't I can't remember what they okay. are right now, but his um, research paper that I remember was about the dreary Black Hills. Okay. Um, and uh, Deadwood Dick. Have you heard of this character? I have. Fictional or true? You know, it's yeah. still like kind of a. Kind yeah, I guess I haven't, line, I haven't heard that. I've just heard of the character. Uh-huh. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he ended up being a character in, you know, dime novels. And, yeah. Um, but there's a pretty good chance that he was a musician that passed through huh. um, Deadwood. And then there's this great story about how um, uh, he brought this singer with him from Cheyenne, Fanny. And when he played in Cheyenne and met her, he convinced her to come, you know, on the road with with him and she left her fiance and and her jealous and raging fiance followed them for to a musician. and um and through uh he you know he bursts into the performance space or the gem theater you know wherever this was yeah. happening and um some people in the darkened room say that he threw a hatchet some people say it was a newspaper but he threw something at deadwood dick on stage and and uh dick takes out his pistol and he he shoots Ed dead on the spot, and he's acquitted for self-defense. That's the. That's the. That's, that's how the story, story goes. <laughs> that's how the story goes. Yep, that's what his his Man. research paper was on. But it, that wasn't all. I mean, that wasn't at all all he provided. He, um, kind of curates the George B. German music archives. Okay. In uh, Sioux Falls, which had some other useful information too about other musicians that gotcha. that wrote songs, um, in South Dakota. Most of them are a little bit after my research parameters, but sure. like I said, they were some crummy parameters. So, so Sodbusters really kind of put uh, put your music career kind of just launch. Hey, I'm this is what I do now, um, and you put that out. What year was that? Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Yep. So seven years ago, um, and then mm-hmm. uh, Fall is a Good Time to Die came out a couple years ago. Three. Oh. Uh, 2015 23 years that's yeah. what i thought oh yeah i thought gosh. it was three years ago wow. um and uh so you went you went four years of just kind of and that's all original like fall is a good time to die is all your stuff mm-hmm. um when you were coming up with that obviously it's it's in that strand of the the folk americana uh feel and everything um was a lot of that just Kind of piggybacking off of the feel of what Sodbusters, what you learned in through Sodbusters and through that paper of just this is kind of the feel of the area, um, or is that is that have nothing? Am I just completely making this up? I don't know. I've never really. I haven't thought it. Okay. Being a follow up, I guess. Like or, not, not or, really a follow up. Like, I guess. Yeah, I'm um, thinking or more of, of piggybacking. I felt like. Um, of course, like it's a lot of the same sounds. It's the same instruments. You know. Right. Um, like Sodbusters was really was a duo album also, okay. even though it has my name on it. Like sure. Josh Rick um, was my duo partner at that time, and he played bass and mandolin and guitar on that okay. album. And um, because bass was his his main performance mm-hmm. instrument, uh, he was a he mastered in bass performance at, at USD. That's how I met him. Um, it's really bass heavy, um, and there's you know I think the bass does more than it usually does, and I think that's probably true on 
um, fall is a good time to die too because um, Andrew Reinhardt is you know one of my main collaborators mm-hmm. for that project, and um, that's his his main thing. Um, so you know the the instrumentation is is really similar. I don't feel like the the writing has um, the same sort of subject matter. Like uh, Sodbusters was a lot about me writing about dead people <laughs> you know like right yeah yeah <laughs> um some some of my own family like stories that happened a mm-hmm. hundred or so years ago and then uh songs that other people wrote you know from that that time period um and um yeah i think fall is a good time to die for me has a different feel more so because of the writing because that's what's yeah what's different the subject matter is more um i guess it's less about people and more about a place and Right. And I guess, I guess that's kind of what I was trying to, what I was, didn't word it very well, but, um, like Sodbusters felt, it did, it felt like it was, it was definitely set at a different time and everything like that. And then, you know, when you listen to Fall is a Good Time to Die, first off, which you'd call it a concept album, right? Like when I listen to it, I feel like it tells a story from start to finish. Like it it follows a, it follows a, a pattern. Like there's, you know, it opens with polywog. So it opens with birth, you know? Huh. And I never thought you've never thought. Oh world. man! So not at all. So my my favorite <laughs> albums are concept albums that tell start to finish the story. <laughs> so when I when I listen to it, I hear this. This is what I hear. I hear you know there's there's birth at the beginning, there's struggle, there's journey, there's life all the way through it. Then then there's death at the end. Follows a good time to die, and then right after that is hello. Like but even with winter and death and that. Life comes again. Wow. I don't. Maybe I've never. No, that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> no. Oh no. Well, I mean, I definitely had input in ordering the songs from from Dalton and Andrew. Sure. But I. You should I, ask them I if they really did that because, like, when I listen to it, way. what I what I hear, it's like it's like seasons. Cause, you know, fall. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's, there's a seasonal thing with it, and there's yeah, this progression sure. of birth and 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 life and excitement, and then you know. Hmm fall everything dies and then you i picture between that and the last song hello just the death of winter but then spring comes up again with and hello when i said goodbye to you i didn't know it meant hello you know like there's this new life being born just more intellectual than i you didn't even realize it you had it going and and my entire idea of the album is ruined now no i'm just kidding um i don't know so so i but it felt like there was this like your perspective of of just life up here, how things happen, you know, got out on the plains and all these, you know, you're talking about the hills and that. And there's just, there's definitely a locality to it. At least I think so. Yeah, and, um, that's, but I it feels like it's true. definitely more today versus it said in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's your stuff for one. But mm-hmm. um, did you expect that to be? as like successful as it was no not, not at, at all, all. no um i didn't uh i didn't want to so I, I told you earlier that i was it's it's of course as soon as i finished that album is when i felt really burnt out which is really unfortunate <laughs> yeah um but i just didn't feel like i had toured behind sod busters and i toured a lot in between those two albums and i was tired and mm-hmm. and i think like i learned about myself that i i don't like to tour that's not much. not your thing huh no i'm kind of a homebody yeah. i like my home i like my community i like having <laughs> i'm just a boring person that yeah. i guess doesn't like that much 
you know. Well, part of it's like, you know, when you tour as a solo artist, you're out there by yourself. The yeah, that's got to be really, tough. It's really isolating, and um, I'm not, I don't think I'm that type of person. I'm a very, I'm a fairly social, I won't say very social, but a fairly social person. Sure. Um, and so right about that time I didn't feel like touring so I decided no I'm not gonna go out and support this album I'm just gonna you know release it online I'll do some release shows in South Dakota and mm-hmm. um and uh but one thing I did do is and this happened it was really last minute because I didn't know that album I, I'm really proud of it first mm-hmm. of all like I I love how it turned out and I loved it how it turned out like after it was um mixed like um Dalton Coffee and Andrew helped too a lot with the engineering of the album, but then um, sent it to his friend who um, was the guitarist for Ricky Skaggs. And so he had access nice. to Skaggs' place, this great studio with great speakers and stuff to mix it. Um, and, you know, like at that point, I was like done with it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it went away. And then the sound, like when they mixed it, it was just awesome i was like wow i can't believe that it turned out this good like oh man now i have to do something <laughs> i have to promote it crap and so, yeah crap <laughs> i made a good album and, and so i really really liked how it turned out and so i felt mm. like man i don't know if i'm ever gonna make anything this good again like i should really try to promote it and so um i uh you know years before that had written down this pr company that i thought that you know, some people that I admired had used. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so I contacted them, um, and I never thought I'd hear back from them. Cause like, you know, pseudo famous in, in our genre, right. Know, it's like yeah, Americana, yeah. like mm-hmm. they use this PR company and there's no way they're even going to send me an email back. And they did, they emailed me back and they're like, this is really great. When are you releasing it? Like, yeah, we want to do it. And I told them the release date that, w- that was like, you know, a month in the future. Yeah. And they're like, Oh well, we couldn't do this for, like, another nine months or six months or what. I can't remember. It was, like, a lot farther in the future than, I was, than I was willing to wait. Sure. And I, in retrospect, I totally could have waited and just done South Dakota release shows. That would have been fine. Right. Um, but uh, anyway, so they, they um, sent me off to somebody that had just ceased working for them and was starting his own PR company. And oh, okay. I was one of his first clients. And he was incredible. Nice. Um, like his writing style and the way he interacted with people was, it was just awesome. And it was, I mean, it was kind of depressing how well hiring a PR agent and having them release my album as a, you know, like a package that, Mm -hmm. um, but they have lists of contacts that you can't find on the internet anymore because, because, uh, you know, if you want to submit your album to this magazine for reviewing or this website for reviewing, they don't take unsolicited material right. anymore. And, you know, up until that time, that's all I had been doing, just Googling and Googling and Googling. Um, and, you know, every once in a while I'd get a hit. Like, I, I had some success with Sodbusters, but um, I hadn't really gotten any major airplay um, with Sodbusters because, I you know, I couldn't get it to right. radio programs because their their contact was not available online for anyone to see um and uh so having this pr agent with his big shiny list of contacts that i just couldn't get to on my own (sighs) yeah yeah and so yeah when he sent everything out like i got traction and i got airplay and sure um and in canada it got 
great airplane. Really? Like, weird. Are you big in Canada? Uh, so there was a chance for like a couple months that I was going to be big oh, okay. in Canada. Okay. <laughs> like they're, whatever, they're, um, I can't think of what they're, what's it called? Oh, satellite radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever, whatever XM. Their, yeah, whatever their equivalent is of XM radio, thought it was going to be number one, like for a while. They like, wow. emailed my PR agent and they're like, we just wanted to let you know that you know, things for this album are going really well. Like, we think it's going to top out. And I don't think it did. Okay. Um, but it got a lot of airplay. Um, I can't, I mean, I can't, I don't have anything to show. <laughs> right. That. I mean, other than but, the story, uh, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Man. And I mean, it charted really well, like in the U.S. too. I think it was like number 16 on Americana Roots stations. But, you know, there aren't, I mean, as far as radio station, radio programs that, that are collected for that chart, you know, there's not very, well, before, sadly, there's not very many of them. Yeah. But. I mean, before I listened to it, uh, the thing, the thing that made me listen to it, cause I, you know, it was on my list and like, Oh, Jamie put on a new album. I should definitely check this out. Uh, you know, but then you get, you get going and you don't think about it and that. And then there's the article that came out that put it right after Willie and Merle's album. Before. Right before. Sorry. You're like, hey, <laughs> hey, he's. I will correct it? you right. on that. Yeah. That's right. It was, yes. yeah, it came It came in. Yes, apparently the Telegraph puts uh, puts nobody, Jamie Lynn, ahead of, uh, what was it, like Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson's yeah. collaborative album. Very misguided. They're Django and Jimmy part, album. But thank you. Which is an amazing <laughs> album. They're, you know, I that's. Agree. But then, like, I'm, I look, I'm like, wait, that's, oh my gosh, that's Jamie Lynn. Like, unreal. And so then I said, well, now I, I got to stop everything I'm doing and listen to it. <laughs> and I did, and I was instantly hooked. I was like, this is phenomenal. Um, that had to have been a little bit surreal to see that. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. Um, and But, you know, the unfortunate thing about it, if I had had maybe different guidance or maybe accepting guidance from mm-hmm. anyone in my life that had any say in how my career should, what should happen next. Yeah. Because my sister is in marketing and she's like, oh my gosh, why aren't you touring? Like, like, cause it's summer and the garden is growing and <laughs> we're getting chickens. Um, but no, actually that was, that was not true. That, that was the summer before. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't, uh, I didn't know what to do with it at yeah. that time like how do I take advantage of this you know this good fortune that I've had with this album like wow so people are paying attention now what you know and yeah. that yeah, my answer to that should have been um, touring and and um, maybe hiring somebody to help me with that because booking and I'm sure as you know booking is that's not what we like to do no that's it's not, not why easy. we're in this business and so um it's just not fun no it's not fun especially when you're cold calling new places and just like uh like i found myself lately i've kind of got a circuit these are my five places i play at Uh and i just i don't call anyone new you know unless i get a call from someone like hey are you free like oh yeah but Mm -hmm. um now it's that window of opportunity that there is a window, right? It's not like you could start that now so off we've been of that. Discussing that because it's you know it took me like th- three years to want to do it again, right? You know, um, like it and, does. And I mean, I did some stuff in there. I made another <laughs> album, and I yeah. I've been performing and stuff. But um, yeah, this has like been the first time the last probably six months that I've felt like a drive to mm. to um, 
to do some touring again and, and, you know, play out of the area a little bit. Um, and, uh, so I've been, I, I thought it was, I definitely think it's a window of opportunity and it's gone and I lost it. But when I start to go through the PR from that album and it's like so-and-so saying, wow, what a great blah, 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 Mm -hmm. beautiful, um, Maybe it's not a window. Maybe, you know, I don't have to put a date on a press quote, right? That's, I mean, <laughs> if people choose to look up when the press quote happens, that's on them. That, you know? Exactly. But how, how many people are going to, you know, look up the Telegraph right. article and, and, you know, find my, my thing on there? Um, I definitely think I need to put out some, some new music before I do something like that. But, um, yeah, I think I agree with you that it's, uh, it is a, probably a window, and I, I don't know if I can, got me, I don't know if I can capitalize now. on that anymore. <laughs> you got me second guessing. I wonder if <laughs> if we feel like it's a window because of most of what we see is, hey, an artist put us, puts out an album, then in a year or two they put out another one, right? and then they really don't talk about that other album anymore. Right. You know? Even no matter how good it was. like It's just they, they, they reference it briefly, but they're always promoting the new stuff. Yeah. You know, but I, I wonder, because like if there's an album that I like, I don't care how old it is, like I want to listen to it and I want to talk about it. You know, I, I'd be curious. It'd be a good experiment. See what happens. <laughs> well, it be is your next be thesis. Here's what happens when you wait three years to promote your, yes. your top, yes. in the top 20 album. Yes, I will be finally touring <laughs> behind Falls I'm really curious to see what the results are. Three yeah. years in the future. I'll be there with my red pen reading the paper like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not a... I'm not a teacher. <laughs> uh, no, you you haven't been doing. You're right. You haven't been doing nothing for the last three years. Like you've been in a few different groups. You're with the Nesters, um, yeah. And that's pretty regular, right? Like you guys. I see you guys doing I mean, stuff every now and then. Reg- it's all relative. It's regular in our terms, which is completely different. It's like learning to play music in a completely different way. Um, because both Eliza and I have played music as our job like mm-hmm. touring recording um her for a lot longer than than i have um and we are both coming into a new season of life and like learning how music's going to fit into this new season of life mm-hmm. and um for her it means you know living in the middle of nowhere yeah um uh, but you know she branches outside of bison her husband right. yeah um and she's had two babies yeah. And those, you know, they're kind of doing things old school. You know, she stays home with the kids and finds time to make music when she can. And when she travels, um, at least one of those kids are coming with her. Yeah. And so that's been a new challenge for us. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just learning how in, in the past when we've played out, you know, you're you've got things polished, you've got things perfect, you know, you're presenting your most professional show. And that's just not possible with our duo because we we live 2 hours apart yeah. and she's got two kids under 2. <laughs> and yeah. So, uh, your practice we're, time is really we're limited. learning to find a new normal, really. Mm. Uh, and yeah, that's been really really interesting, but so rewarding because um, we really love to play music together and it's um it's like brought a new it's just like another shot in the arm you know like taking a break from folk music to do jazz like yeah. taking a break from playing um, by myself and being or you know fronting a group where I'm I'm the the main part of the show where I'm mm-hmm. calling the shots and leading people um, which is 
a facade part of the time. Like a lot of the time, the musicians I'm playing with are much more on top of things than <laughs> I am, and better musicians. You're following along. They even make though you're me singing. look great. Yeah. Um, well, you you do. You're very good at getting good artists around oh, you. Oh man, like, I I feel unreal. like I've hit the jackpot. In it's the unreal. Last several years. Yeah. I don't know how you find them. Like it's, it's like how did she? T- you was it the Black Hills Orchestra? Was with my think or my thinking? Um, didn't you have some with the Black Hills Orchestra? Um, the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. Sorry, Andrew. that was yeah, it. Andrew, yeah, Andrew okay. plays with the Symphony so Orchestra. So you, you bump in with them, and like, it's like, how? And of course, it's going to be amazing, because you don't get on that unless you're amazing. Right. You know? Like, and, geez. Yeah, the Yeah, both Andrew and Dalton have been incredible to work with and to record with, because yeah. they, they have... You think, oh wow, there's he's such a great musician, but oh wait, that's not his strongest talent, you know. Like, and that's true with both of them. It's ridiculous. Jeez. Like they're, they're, um, like Dalton is a professional filmmaker. Like his his films get noticed on film festivals in the South. Like oh my gosh. Um, and he, you know, he grew up playing um, bluegrass with a, a family band. Like started touring when he was sixteen, you know, and that. It's just music's on the such yeah, a side just, thing. I yeah, do. And oh, by the way, the, yeah, and that's not his first deal. You know, unbelievable. Like, he, like filming is really his first talent and strength, and um, it just blows my mind. But they're both like that. Um, and uh, getting to work with Eliza and sing with another vocalist, yeah. it's like it's magical. That's cool. I haven't had this experience before, and it's really, really adds a different element, and it's. It's really fun. When well, she's great lady. on her own right too. Yep. She when I when exactly that, she's a solo artist who yeah. you know did it herself for you know a really long time, and um, for both of us to not you know be the the front right um, front of the show like we're a collaborative act. It's it's really fun. Is it was there a lot of like moment. learning and I guess not butting heads but just kind of feeling each other out at first like because did you guys know each other before you started playing together no no Um, okay so we i creeped her out years and years like on face i mean creeped out on facebook and the internet i knew (laughs) all about what she was doing i knew when she was releasing albums here's my competition exactly it's it's exactly true okay she, she popped up on the south dakota arts council um touring artists or no um artists in the schools and communities roster as uh bringing folk music and the banjo into elementary schools and I was like who is this chick like this is my stick <laughs> who's this other person wait that's, that's exactly what I do exactly who's this person um and um she knew about me and my music long before we ever connected sure. also and so we just watched each other you know from afar it's like circling uh-huh and one time uh yeah two two years ago oh my gosh no can't be that long i think it's like a year and a half ago Mm -hmm. um she uh contacted me on facebook and through a few little facebook messages we pretty much decided that we were gonna be a band yeah and the first time we met it was like instant insta friends like oh my gosh i met like a bosom friend, cool. know, like from Anne of Green Gables. Bosom yeah, yeah, friend, yeah. Like, yeah. No, I'm well aware. <laughs> like a soul sister. We like yeah. all the same things. We have so much in common. It's ridiculous. Wow. Like we are, we are the homesteader-minded music ladies, and we're really 
Which is, is that, is that where the Nestor's <laughs> name up. came from? So it, the Nestor's <laughs> came from, um, so two things. I can't remember which was the, which came first, but, um, so we're both in like a nesting phase of our yeah. lives where like we're ready to not be on the road anymore. We want to settle down. Um, and then she, she Googled nesters to see if, you know, there were any other bands called that. And, um, what came up as one of the def- definitions is from, from homesteading days when, uh, so the Western side of the state was first rangeland, um, and nesters were homesteaders that snuck into rangeland that hadn't been opened yet and started building a homestead. Oh. And so, and we both like, we play, like she has songs like Sodbusters. She has a version of Sodbusters. It's just, you know, it's a different lady singing right. a different story. Um, oh man! Except she's also like living it herself. Up yeah, there. she's kind of doing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeez. but uh, we just have like our commonalities are ridiculous, and instead of butting heads or like learning to work around each other, it was like instantly we don't get anything done half the time because we just just hanging out. <laughs> we just both of you with your banjos yeah, just tweaking much, and yeah there's that's not, funny not so much playing more more talking now when it's like with with my duo with eric and the ruthless west we uh we don't get to practice hardly at all so but and i'm lucky because eric is a good enough musician where I can send him a playlist on Spotify or something uh-huh. and say, "Hey, here's here's what we should we should learn this song." And we're both listening to it, work on it ourselves. We get to a show, let's try it, and then we then when we play it, um, is that a lot about up. a lot like what happens with you two right now? Um, no, no, we okay. Ha- I'm, we do have to practice, like we have to learn learn songs. It's not so. There have been a couple songs that we've added into our set list just to like in the beginning just have enough mm-hmm. to fill a you know an hour slot or whatever of our of our own songs where I'm just hopping in on one of her songs okay. that she previously recorded or she's hopping in on, on one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um and in those songs that's true. Okay. We're just hopping in. But the rest of them we've had to arrange and gotcha. figure out. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's been it's been for me to move from the solo to playing with other people was was quite uh and i'm still i think i'm still trying to figure it out because mm-hmm. uh, i did it every now and then with guth like we'd get together and we'd, uh-huh. we'd do a duo night and we'd jam and stuff but uh but it was never a consistent thing where hey this is what i do now um and where right now it's primarily the duo uh versus solo stuff mm-hmm. if i'm booking i'm booking for the duo you yeah know? um and that's been it's just a whole different thing one it's a lot more fun when you're on stage yeah. because it doesn't especially when you're playing in bars it doesn't matter it does matter a little bit what the crowd's doing but if they're not paying attention you can still have fun with someone right you know you're hanging out there doing stuff yep. and that. but Somebody it's to play off like you and eric can kind of yeah we can crack our own yeah. jokes you know we can exactly. hey, what do you want to do i don't know let's try that new one we haven't done yet because no one's listening anyway <laughs> you know um but and then but then when you get uh when the crowd is paying attention you know in, in those moments uh it just brings the energy a little bit. It's just so awesome because you can turn to the solo and Eric goes to a solo and we can like, hey, man, this is really right. fun. Right, and he gets know? to, you know, you get to hear something new every time you play this yeah. song when you're playing with, yeah. with with somebody else. Like yeah. they'll sing something differently or Eric will play a different 
solo yeah, line there new every, every time. time. Yeah. It, it's it's just been it's Inject been a neat experience. Uh just trying to like but like I said the hard part is when do we get together cuz mm-hmm. you know I'm busy, he's busy. You know the yeah. you know the the house we just bought doesn't really have a lot of room to practice in. You know, I mean this is this is this is small right now, mm-hmm. you know. So so we're looking we're looking at places and stuff, but luckily we've we've got we're both skilled enough where we can we can do it you know the hard part for me that's a really nice thing about working with another professional yeah like that's like you know like oh they're gonna be able to do it yeah and he plays the pedal steel well and that's the other (laughs) thing too it's like there's no one else up here currently doing that really i mean there's there's yeah i think i've heard of one or two but i don't see him anywhere doing Mm -hmm. shows so it's like he could mess up. I'm not sure anyone's going to care. It's a pedal steel and it's new and it's exciting. What yeah. is that thing, son? You know, and we, yep. they come in and and look at it and that. But um, I don't know. So do you uh, um, do do you have like legitimate plans to start doing some promotion and touring, or you're still kind of yeah, in? Yeah. That... Um. So this next, oddly enough, so this this latest album that I released, this jazz album, mm-hmm. is kind of weird. How it happened, but it's because the other musicians in the group that I released the album with are so in demand that we had to split up. Um, we released the show in uh, October yeah. on the western side of the state and um, couldn't find a time for everyone else to play um, with me on the eastern side of the state until April. So, oh wow, oddly enough... <laughs> So there's still another release party coming. Yeah, there's three more. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which seems weird. But um, so we're doing three more release shows for that album, still promoting that album Mm -hmm. um, locally. And then uh, this next summer, I'm going to do a lot of playing with them. Yeah. And like we're playing um, Jazz Fest in in Sioux Falls on the main stage, which is like something I've, you know, I've been emailing them every year since I was like, 17 <laughs> and you know they'll put you on the side stage and like oh but I really want so we get to do that this year which That's is cool. really exciting um and then um like a number of outdoor you know the great city park sure style shows um with them this summer and then the the nesters are doing um a few things which we can't um publicize yet sure <laughs> just yet because you did not, not hear it here not, first they're folks. not official but we <laughs> yeah. might be playing some cool things this summer mm. um and um and then she's releasing uh, a new solo album this summer oh, cool. too so i'll be playing with her um on that so of uh, some various other projects before i settle in to record my next um solo album which um, I think you're gonna like this one too. It's, yeah, it's going it's going more more country than than um, my last albums have for sure. Will you ever get back to punk rock at some point? Do you think? And <laughs> I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, I, I guess it depends on what punk rock. I gotta find it. Means you know, I, I what love. Doesn't uh, mean anymore. I love throwback Thursday. Mm, yeah, ninety three. So yeah, I um, and I'm, I'm like a. And actually, I heard that you really love Beyonce Lemonades. Who told you this? How about my? We were need to go into that, but um, I it's, really it's a great. I, album. I listen to a lot of crappy pop music. Yeah. When I drive, um, and I know exactly what's going on in the top forty at any given moment, even though I'm a folk singer. So see, I um, don't. I only heard of that of Beyonce's thing. album because my boss uh, wanted me to play. Um, 
my daddy's got a gun. Yeah. And she goes, if you like countryfy that up a bit, it would be pretty sweet. So I listened to it, and then you know everyone was raving on the album. So I listened to the whole thing, and in, in all honesty, like it's definitely a great album. But the only song I really liked was that song, you know. Um, but Daddy said, "Shoot." Yeah, so good. It's like, yeah. geez, you know, you could easily, like, I could, I could totally hear you covering that. Do you cover that? I don't know, okay. but I love that entire album. I love like every yeah. corner of it. So she, but uh, <laughs> when, but when it comes to like the hits and the tough, like, I, I can't remember the last time I turned on the actual radio, oh, anywhere. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I've got, I've got a set playlist and the radio I pick is like you know the Spotify or Pandora radio of here's an artist I like and then I'll find a new artist that way I just haven't been into radio music in a long time now yeah because most of it's really well yeah I guess me but (laughs) it's just I I just can't I can't I can't get into it I've tried and I just can't do it totally feel Um, but like I, I would think if I turned on like a rock and roll radio, um, the classic rock. I could probably probably do that still. Like I said, I don't know if punk rock is still around. I think it's all so, bought up and where owned, I was going uh, with this. If oh, you yeah. were going to turn on your radio, uh-huh. it would be on Thursdays only for Throwback Thursday. Thursdays only. Ninety three ones. Okay. It's like all of the kind of pseudo ridiculous punk rock and hip hop from like the nineties and. Okay, um, I could deal so with it's, that. Yeah, so it's like more f- fun going through memory memory lane and like middle school dances and stuff like that. Um, Isn't that sad? <laughs> like when it comes to oh, if you want to listen to the radio, you got to listen to the throwback stuff because where it's at now yeah. is just yeah. like. Well, but it's the same thing with was, a lot of. I think it was already getting pretty crappy then. I just think it's. Um, it had it holds some nostalgia. We were young enough that yeah, we remember other nostalgic. things because of it. Value like yeah. um, get low. Uh, came, oh my God. came out my senior year of high school and um, it came <laughs> on today when I was driving to Rapid City and I got so excited and I cranked it up and then like listened to all the words and was like so what you know what what did I think of this when it came out like and I just thought oh this is the cool song we're cranking <laughs> we're going to state Woo! you know um, <laughs> but it really I think it was probably just as crappy as what's what is on the radio today? Every now and then I'll hear a <laughs> random jock jam song from like 1995, you know. <laughs> this is how we do it, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And um, I just watched, uh, do, you, do you have Netflix? Do you watch? Yeah. Okay, so it's called Everything Sucks. <laughs> I know. But it's set in the 90s, so it's like high school in the 90s. Oh, and yeah. And the, the soundtrack for it is, you know... All these '90s classic <laughs> pop and rock and everything songs, you know, Spin Doctors yeah, and totally. the Verve Pipe and everything like that. And I was sitting there, I was like, I forgot about almost all of these songs, and they're amazing. And they're probably not. It's just it's reminding me <laughs> of my exactly. you know youth. They are amazing like, because oh, wow. you remember the shoes that you yep. wore in eighth grade. I was living here when that yes. happened. That girl broke my heart yes. to this song and stuff like that. that teacher like, was a jerk. <laughs> and then all, I mean, all the references are, but it's kind of funny how, like, that's kind of the theme, been the theme for the past few years is just 
throwback stuff. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, you look at country music, a lot of stuff that's coming down now that's really good is because they're going back to right. like three quarter time stuff and, right. and they're singing about actual stories and songs versus, you know, a, a party on a beach, yep, and a dirt exactly. road, you know? Yep. And it, it's, it's just funny to see how that's kind of where the market's at is reminding people of how good things were. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, it's kind of it's a little haunting depressing, a it? little bit. Like, what's what's going on? Like, you guys trying to re- remind us of something good because something bad's coming down the line? Like, I don't know. But, um, yeah, that's just kind of yeah, where, where things are at. But, uh, yeah, so, you, so you're... Digging spearfish. It's nice to see you when I don't need a, a cage from my dog in the summer times. Um, for people, there. for it's, people listening, it's still like available. I, my dog. When we go to when we go to Nebraska, I always ask Jamie if I can borrow her dog cage <laughs> because you need one when you're traveling with the dog. So, yep. and I just don't own one. But yeah, uh, yeah. hasn't so. been used in our household for many. Just years. sitting there. Yep. Well. Um, I was nowhere to find it, so. Yep, still there. <laughs> uh, well, this has been this has been great. Like I I could probably keep going and talking, and we'll probably have you back and talk some more at some point. <laughs> but this was really cool. So it was fun. You um, know, I love to talk about myself. You know, you know who doesn't? Any, anytime. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I. So you did. You did mention you're going to be doing another solo album. So I'm excited yeah. about that. You said yep. it was country, so I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah, and probably like a few songs shy of what the final product will be so. do you have a time frame yet or are you sharing that boy i i guess it's ne- it never hurts to say it out loud so then it comes to fruition but i'm feeling like um next fall slash winter i'll start recording okay um and i'm never gonna make the mistake of uh setting a release show date mm-hmm um, until I'm done recording an album. Sure. Like I, I learned that lesson earlier this year. So it's not so. rushed and you can, hey, this isn't ready, we're not... Yep, so I'm not yeah. worried that the albums aren't going to arrive before the show. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's cool. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for hanging out at the Heath Bar. If you enjoyed this, you can learn more about this episode and other episodes on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Heath Bar on Tap. If you would like to find out ways on how you can support this project, you can do so on the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash The Heath Bar. See you next time.